Ladies and gentlemen, it is Sam Gilstrap. That name's got a ring to it like a wedding vow. That's right, folks. We are back. This is the Ghost Lights Podcast Season 2, The Reckoning. I'm sorry I've been away from the airwaves. Um, I had to be about my paper for about a good, I don't know, when was the last time we sat down? Candace Joyce? So probably in late May? So... Yeah, it's like the last six months, I've been trying to, you know, make make ends meet, sleeping on couches, and uh, the artist sometimes has to do that. But we're back. We have a studio now. We're in the Highlands. We're so hipster. It's not even funny. Um, tonight's episode is brought to you by Bullet Rye Bourbon. Why are we drinking it? You may ask. Well, it's because they're so fucking problematic, and this was given to me as a gift already. That we're just going to try and get rid of this fucking bottle tonight. Um, if you don't know the problems, you should probably look it up and never buy a bullet again. Stick to Jameson. Keep it Irish. Keep it happy. Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined tonight by our very special guest, Christian Mast. Hello, Christian. Hello, Sam. How the hell are you? Fucking great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad to be back, as you can tell. Uh, obviously. Yeah. And we're also glad to have... The man, the myth, the legend himself, Bradley Abeda. What's up, dude? What's up, dude? Um, some would call him a roomie. Some would call him a friend. I call him Bradley, and he's both of those things. So he's hanging out tonight. He's a, he's a cool dude, and I know he's uh, not going to get himself fired. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> say no more. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, let's cheers, huh? What do you All say? Right, Bring those glasses in. Cheers. Pound it. Enjoy. Uh, tastes like horrible discrimination. It does taste like horrible discrimination. I don't even know what the story is about the whole um, bullet. The bullet family is like staunchly against homosexual marriage, and so they put know. money towards banning it in their their state. I think it's Kentucky. I believe so. Oh, yeah, it says right here the Chick Fil A of whiskey. Yes, it does say it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Chick Fil A of whiskey. Don't eat at Chick Fil A, even though those sandwiches are really good. Popeyes has their own chicken sandwich out. And it's already destroying lives, so go get it. Um, anyway, folks, for those of you who don't remember, the song is War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. We were going to have a like a, a contest like we did for our logo to see who would have the their music played before our podcast. But because I was so busy with other nonsense things, we are, or should say life things, we are sticking to War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Please go into iTunes and cop that joint. It's a buck twenty-nine, or stream it regularly on Spotify if you're paying that premium package. Um, let's get right down to it. Cool, Christian. Yes, the show is looped. Yes, because I screwed it up on Facebook. <laughs> That's okay. All right, the show is looped. It's performing at Vintage. How long is it performing for? Uh, we actually are going until the fifteenth, I believe, of December. 15th so of December. Another month. Another month. Yeah, another month uh-huh. left. We just finished up our second week. Uh, everyone got, everyone's got to love that seven-week vintage run. I don't run. know how I always get my ass involved in seven-week seven run. Hey, we but did the Kentucky happened. cycle for seven weeks. That's, yeah. uh, that was a grind. I saw that, that run. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe I don't want to do yeah. that now. Are you sure you didn't want to be in that? You <laughs> right. could've, you could've I would have been, actually enjoyed it. You could have been the butt, uh, not the butt, you could have been the boat driver and had the great line, <laughs> ain't no one getting on this boat unless he got orders. You didn't want to, you didn't want to drop that nugget on there. Uh, yeah, I didn't even know that line was in there. Hey, well, yeah. I did. I get, it got given to me after the first read. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Anywhoozle. Um, he doesn't listen. Doesn't matter. Um, other people do. 
I shouldn't get fired. Let's let's dial it back a notch. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it opened two weeks ago. Yes. Tell us the story. What is Looped about? Uh, it's basically a day in the life of Tulula Bankhead. And, famous uh, actress, famous back actress in the day. from back in the day who has to um, come into the recording studio and re-record a line to her very last picture ever, which is called Die, Die, My Darling. So it's just kind of a day in the life of that particular incident that she had to go through, and it's based on uh, true and real events. Oh, sweet. So I'm sure hey. there's some liberty that has been taken, obviously, oh, yeah. within it, but yeah. it is based around that particular session that that transpired. And who, who does Christian Mass play? I play the film editor. The film editor. Uh, Danny Miller. Okay. And oddly enough, I'm not named after the original film editor. Oh, wow. Yeah. What's the original weird. film editor's name? I can't remember, but he's a British guy. Oh. Which I was like, that would have been in my wheelhouse. Really? <laughs> Drop us some English. What's your English accent? Like? I'm not a monkey, damn it, Sam. I'm going to oh. perform on the spot. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't do that. I'm no, sorry. No. You don't really want to. Oh, well, I understand completely. It's all right. It's all right. You don't, you don't have to perform even though you're on a fucking podcast. I know. I don't you, know broke my, you broke my podcast cherry, Sam. Thank oh, you. nice. Make sure we make sure we get some paper towel for that. You want to clean that up? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm on my hands and knees right now. Oh, God. This um, this, we are off to a terrible start. I think I'm hot. I am losing. I'm losing a lot of audience. And we haven't even gotten into the nitty gritty. Um, so you play the film editor. Yes. Um, how does that relationship with Deb Persoff's Tallulah Bankhead? How does that go without spoiling the production? How does that evolve over the course of the night? Um, it's it's interesting because it's a place that he doesn't want to be. Obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, he feels it's not his job to make this final thing come to fruition. Mm. So uh, he feels very stuck. He's got some stuff on his plate that um, he doesn't really have time to dick around with. Mm -hmm. um, and he, I, I think a good way of describing it uh, is uh, Bernie actually told me he's kind of like a half shaken can of soda. Nice. Uh, so he's ready to explode at any moment. Um, and it's nice because what Deb is doing and what I'm doing are completely the opposite mm -hmm. and kind of that yin yang sort of thing yeah. coming together, mm -hmm. uh, where I'm more of an effeminate type of character and she is more with Gravitas. portraying, yeah, portraying Tallulah very more of a male kind of no nonsense, yeah. um, swear like a sailor, um, that's, that's definitely right in Deb's person. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it that's really is. Else. It really is. Yeah. And, and my character takes offense to it. And Bernie Cardell directed, yes? No, uh, Craig Bond. Oh, Craig did. Okay, Craig. great. Great. Yes. Nice. Yes. How was the process for you creating that character? I mean, we, we, we're uh, not giving you the English accent. We're not going in that direction. What were some of the things that you had to do to bring Danny to light? Uh, really just, it, it was difficult because, uh, I'm very much the straight man mm -hmm. of the show and I didn't want to be so straight and just kind of like where my normal voice register falls. I wanted to do something different. Um, but I didn't want to make a caricature. Uh, so the character I came up with, uh, fell very, very late in the process. Mm. I would say probably about a week and a half, um, maybe two weeks from opening, um, which was very strange to me because I usually nail a character or character work down very early. 
and this one didn't uh, seem to want to come out until late in the process. Mm -hmm. And even that late, I felt uncomfortable with it. Yeah, I questioned totally. myself with what I was doing. But I, I received good feedback um, yeah. from preview and, and people that have come to see it. <clears throat> and you know how we are. We always doubt ourselves and what we're doing. Absolutely. So, so it, it's, it's come about, and I'm much more comfortable with him now than where I was. Great. So nice. What was the... There was some time between the last show before Looped, correct? Yes, uh, over a year. Oh, wow. When over the last show, which one was that? Again? That was the audience with Deb. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. So, and that was like, what, maybe three minutes of stage time, mm -hmm. you know? So it uh, it's nice to be back into a setting of a smaller group with more meat Definitely. to it, yeah. especially working with Deb. It's She's essentially to work with. Looped is essentially a two-hander, right? Uh, essentially, yes. uh, there are three characters. Uh, David plays the uh, sound engineer, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's a great role, and it, it very well could be a role that anyone would just throw away and mm -hmm. not give two shits about. Nice. But uh, David's really um, done such a wonderful job with the the what little lines his character has been given. Oh, that's great! Yeah, nice. That's it's, really it's fun to, to work with him again too. Because when was the last time you worked with uh, David? Uh, name. Man? So ten years ago. Oh shit! Years the ago. play that shall not be named. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Fuck off. Get out of that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. 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 I think he said something like ten or twelve years. Damn. I think yeah. Right. That, that would that would it definitely be right. it because yeah. that's when I mean Mame was like my I think Auntie Mame was my second vintage show. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I did, did uh, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, I did Romeo and Juliet, and then. I was doing heads over at the Vic, and then Craig called me while I was quite inebriated at a fantasy football gathering. <laughs> and uh, yeah, did uh, I was like, "You want me to play? Sure, I'll be in a play." Two months later, and three different wigs on my large self. There it goes. That <laughs> was that was a large cast. That it was, was a large cast. Was large cast in the basement of the old. Of the, the old, old uh, of the old vintage space over there on 17th. Um, it is now, I don't know, a closet to a restaurant that only accepts cash. <laughs> is it still that brewery that was so. there next door? When yeah. They, I can't even remember what it's called anymore. That's, that's a shame. Yeah. I don't know. That's, uh, hey, they did better for themselves in the long run. So. Definitely. Um, speaking of fantasy football, how the, how the fuck are you? How's your how's Sarah Mado doing? Uh, good. I, I had a, uh, actually had a win. Yeah. yeah. Who'd you beat last week? Who did I beat? Ah, I think it was the four loco inepta dudes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And now I've got Luke Carey coming up. Oh man. So we know how his score is gonna be. Oh man. If he is if he is lucky, he might not get the Blesser Heart <laughs> Award this week. <laughs> um the four loco inepta dudes are owned by Bradley Abeta, by the way. So for those of you following at home, they definitely the uh, the board game is coming out soon. <laughs> but yeah, uh, make sure that uh, next time you see Bradley, you jeer him over his, uh, his fantasy football choices. Can I have the Rams, Dean? <laughs> I'm going to do a train on air. Right yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you can still say that on air. I think so. Uh, I mean, we yeah, have this Wi-Fi. Yeah. That's how you download it. Yeah, let's, let's do a trade on Wi-Fi right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will give you the Colts, D after they arrive via free agency. Should someone else not make a claim on them, and you thought everyone else, or you thought people were tuning out before. Yeah, now, <laughs> now they're completely. Now we're going to nitty gritty. Whoa, whoa, he started his first <laughs> podcast in six months with very inappropriate comments. 
and then backed it up with lame talk about fantasy football. It's been a while since I've done this, folks. I'm trying to I'm trying to get back into it. I'm trying to get back into it. I'm easing into it. So, Christian, um, how long does Luke run? Again, say it one more time. Until December 15th? Uh, until the 15th. Okay. So they can get those tickets at vintagetheater.org or brown paper tickets? Yes. Awesome. Yes. Or is it brown paper bag? Brown paper bag. Is I think I'm thinking I of think it's brown paper. Just go to Google and type in Vintage Theater Aurora. What's VintageTheater.com. I, I prefer right. the term right. Jujul. Jujulant? Oh, sorry. Jujul. I used that go, actually. I don't know why I said Google. <laughs> Google, Google, Google it. Google it. So, Christian, as a, as a new guest to the Ghost Lights podcast, um, I usually start with the very same question for absolutely everybody. Um, theater... How did it happen to you? Uh, when I was actually 12, um, there was a children's theater uh, that was still around at the time, it's no longer uh, around today, unfortunately, called Stage 11. Okay. And they had run an ad about um, wanting to have auditions for The Wizard of Oz. So my mom approached me about it and asked if it was something I would be interested in. And... I was just kind of one of those people that said, yeah, I'd be more than happy to, to go out and give this a shot. And I think once you get hit with that, uh, like we all do, that acting bug, it just sort of uh, goes from there. So it really started out uh, at a young age of 12 of doing children's, children's theater. What so, role did you play in Wizard? Scarecrow, damn it. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, it was actually, <laughs> and it was cool. It was actually kind of a dream come true. It was... It was uh, uh, the Wizard of Oz is one of my all-time, I would probably put it in pretty damn close to my top three favorite films of all time. Wow. Um, what are your top three favorite films of all time? Well, that's a good question now that I have to think about it. I mean, Definitely shit, Star you can't Wars. put that out there. Well, Star Wars, for sure. Uh, uh, now, are you taking the canon? I'm just taking I probably the original. Definitely Phantom Menace. Yes. Phantom Menace. Yes. Yeah, yes. Phantom Menace, first and foremost. <laughs> Uh, I would say the original, the original New uh, Hope, New Hope, Empire, yeah. Jedi. Um, not really in that order, but uh, uh, that uh, Wizard of Oz, and I would probably have to go with Halloween. Oh, I'm a big horror fanatic mm. as well. So what, what made what what brings Halloween to to that list? Aside from you being a horror fanatic, like what are the things about? Halloween? It's a, it's a movie that I saw. It can't just age. be Jamie Lee Curtis. No, no, no. no. It's, it's actually, uh, I, I love John Carpenter films. Mm. I love what he does. Um, and Halloween was one of those movies I saw at an age I probably shouldn't have. How you know, growing up in the 80s, we found ways to do shit. That, oh, totally. You know, no bread. <coughs> yeah. Stuff like that on cable or anything. Um, so I saw it at a very I stole age. porn from Sam Goody. <laughs> <laughs> that was you? Yeah. <laughs> Naughty night nurses. Don't you fight. I, they're not going to. I don't work at Sam Goody. No one does anymore. And uh, yeah, no one's going to no one's gonna get mad at me. I was, what was I, like 17 years old? I was like, putting this in my sweatpants. Sweatpants because um, nobody wanted to talk to me. All I wore was sweatpants. Um, I'm sad now. 
Halloween. Why do you like it? Well, and I think I think after all these years, it's still held up. And for me, it's still one of those movies that I can watch, and I still get terrified at those moments that used to terrify me. That's unreal. Yeah. Like I can't. Like there are movies that I've seen, like scary movies, movies that made me jump out of my seat. That now, when I see them, I just laugh at them, and right. not because I'm scared or because it was a good gag. I just go like, ha, ha. Yeah. no, doesn't work. Why did that ever scare me? To <laughs> yeah, why did it ever do it? Yeah. yeah. And I, I also like how if, if you look at the movie too, there, um, I, th- I think it, if I remember correctly, what I'd seen is that there, it's absolutely, there's like no blood in the entire film. Wow. Which is, which is interesting. I think there is one scene where it shows a little, um, at the beginning, but he kept it very clean. I mean, he <laughs> left it really, it's that audience sort of, what your mental yeah, imagination yeah. kind yeah. of goes to of what, and people say it's a gory film. And if you look at it, it's not gory at all. Mm-hmm. It's not a gory film. It's really, really all about the suspense. It is. You watch it. And I think it's probably hard to watch it for the first time now, mm-hmm. um, just because it does take like 40, 50 minutes really to build up. It, it's a very slow build, um, but he does a great job of building the tension. Agreed. Yeah. And it pays off. Yes. Yes. Does Michael Myers rank as your top horror bad guy? Um, for or would that be Donald Trump? <laughs> well, as a fictional character, <laughs> <laughs> as a fictional character, yes. Nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I would say he's 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 my number one. Nice, he's my number one. Very cool. Uh, two, I would say Leatherface. <laughs> Leatherface? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas yeah. Chainsaw. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Who goes in at number three then? Uh, Are we doing Hellraiser? It's probably, yeah. I would I would probably have to just go with the good old standby of either Kruger or uh, Jason. Yeah. They, they're just gonna be they're there. Both fun. The yeah. camp. I mean mm-hmm. and that's like such a difference between Halloween and Friday the thirteenth and mm-hmm. you know, Nightmare. They became such campy films. Yeah. You know, where I think uh, Halloween really set that slasher precedence for a genre and people didn't take it too seriously. So, so talk to me about you've been a person that's loved, like you were a kid when those movies came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the kid that was in wizard of Oz and then the kid that loved these movies was there of like, I watched them and said, Oh, I could be, Leatherface, I could be that. Were you even think like that? Were you even going in that direction? Or were you inspired by those movies in terms of how you went about creating? Or was that still something you were too young to do? Um, that is a good question. Um, I think at that age, I was always wanting to be sort of the center of attention or entertain people in mm-hmm. general. Um, and an interesting fact, some things that, uh, something that people probably don't know much about me is that I had uh, I was held back in second grade uh-huh. and had to repeat. Well, I actually had a learning disability. However, one of the comments that my second grade teacher made is that he just is here to entertain people. He's uh-huh. coming to school to entertain people. So I think that was always there, but I never looked at these movies as this is where I want to go and this is what I want to do mm. and have acting or anything like that. As a profession, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. I mean, you know yeah. that I love wrestling. Oh, yeah. At that age, what I wanted to be was a professional wrestler. Did I you, never did you craft a character that. at that age? Did I what? Did you have a character crafted by that point? Oh, no. I was just imitating Hulk Hogan and 
Ultimate <laughs> Randy Macho Man, yeah. and, you know, all those guys. But Ooh, yeah, brother. <laughs> Snap into a slim gym. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Just want to let all the Hogan Maniacs know I've done all the cocaine. <laughs> oh, the best wrestler of all time is still The Undertaker. That's debatable. That is debatable. I'm going to go with The Undertaker, number one. Um, Jake the Snake, number two. And then uh, number three, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Those are actually really great picks. Thank you. Those are very good yeah. picks. I was going to I was gonna say, like, I think The Rock is the most influential, like, game changer in terms of entertainer. But he's, yeah, small potatoes in my right. opinion, like, in terms of, like, the impact that, like, uh, Stone Cold's cracking open a fucking beer and guzzling it after he whooped your ass and then asking for another one from a fan. Like, I guess it was awesome. He's great. Yeah, I, I love him. And he's yeah. and if we listen to, and like, I don't know if you do, but his podcasts are, he, he's such a down to earth guy. He's oh, really, yeah. and he's so smart. He's so smart. Nice. I haven't, I have not listened to him. I, I've always gotten the impression that he was a good dude. I hope his uh, politics are in line with my, my hopes. Yeah, from what I've listened, uh, what few podcasts of right. his I've listened to, he doesn't he doesn't go dabble into it. That's he good. doesn't really, that's, that's smart. The ones that I've heard, yeah, he hasn't got. I uh, I don't shy away from that. Fuck Trump. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. He, he impeaches you know, us. Oh yeah, oh, impeaches yeah. us. Um, so you wanted to be a wrestler as a yes. kid. When did you start? Like, so you did Wizard of Oz. At how old are you getting? Twelve. You? You're twelve years old. Was it around that time that you started like acting more, yes. or did there was there a gap of time? After no, no, that? it was pretty much from twelve until now. Not twelve until now. Yeah. What were some of the What were some of the things in uh, high school that like that that I don't know made that that love grow? Um, if you can remember that far, I, I think I think from going going from twelve into teenage years, I think there's such a difference um, for me. <laughs> You know, because I don't think everyone got involved with theater at the age of 12. And there is a very big difference from children's theater into actual theater because you're doing children's work that is sometimes not good enough for the refrigerator. Right. And it's made up and campy and goofy and it's kid orientated, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, once you get into high school, then you're actually getting into the Neil Simon work. You're getting into like. The, the the real meat of what theater is about. Totally. Um, and I think that's kind of where that, uh, you know, just mm-hmm. goes from there because then you're starting to look at, you know, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. You're mm-hmm. looking at Barefoot in the Park. You're looking at Crucible. You're looking at all these shows that Rossad. you... Yeah. That Rossad. you wouldn't like, even be... Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't even be exposed to as a kid. Yeah. So, and I think that's, it, that um, only just made it that much more mm-hmm. uh, fire build underneath it. Nice. You know, is that you're actually getting to do this kind of work. When you when you started transitioning out of high school, what were some of the things you did to to stay in theater? Did you immediately start working out there on the streets? Or should I say auditioning and stuff like that? Were you going to school for it, taking classes? Oddly, um, oddly enough, my uh, high school director, something that has stuck with me throughout time, he basically said, a diploma from college is not going to get you a role. Mm. You either are born with a talent or you're not. Yeah. And a diploma is not going to solidify gigs for you later in life. Mm. 
So I took that to heart and I wasn't, you know, school wasn't my thing to begin with. Um, again, yeah. I was there to entertain people, to have friends. Looking back at it, yeah, I probably would have wanted to do better in classes. Yeah. Um, but acting was my life in, 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 in high school. Nice. Um, so after graduation, I think I was, yeah, I took a little time off, decided I didn't want to go to college and then moved out to LA for about eight months. Oh, wow. Yeah. How was, how was LA for the was, was. I loved it. I loved being out there. Yeah. Uh, it's expensive as hell, <laughs> you know, and me being a native of Colorado, I'd never gone anywhere outside of Colorado, uh, as far as living situation yeah. goes in my life. So 19 moving out to LA from Colorado was a, a huge, uh, risk and step. And I'm glad I did it. I don't regret a thing about going out there. That's, when you, you know, were, when you were a senior in high school and you're like making that decision to go out there, was that like, I'm going out there to make it big. Or I'm going out there to gain more experience. Like what, what was, um, I think, I think a little or bit was it both. just about being on your own. Um, no, it was actually, it was going out there to make it big. Um, cause I think we all have that sort of hidden dream inside that we want acting to somehow pay off yeah. in, a, in a big way. Try as I might want to be, uh, wax poetic about my desires to get into the theater. I still want to be the best. Like I'm going right. to be, I'm going to be 57, 80 years old, like in those, those chunks of time and want to like, I want to put out the best fucking product that I possibly can. Cause I want people to feel me in the audience. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Absolutely. So I get that. And I, excuse me. And I also think, um, I think over time, the older we get, things change mm -hmm. of what we want, how we look at acting as well. Um, you know, there came a time where the person I had moved out there, I, I it wasn't just a decision for me to go, Hey, I'm just going to go out to LA. <laughs> that wasn't something, it was something I thought about, but it wasn't something I just said, okay, I'm going to go do this. Um, I was approached by a person, um, who was like, Hey, I'm going out there. Do you want to be my roommate? situation. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, might as well, you know, now or never might as well try it. I'm 19. Okay. I got nothing to lose. Um, and I felt very fortunate for the time I was out there. I did two theater gigs and some extra work. Uh, and the person I was living with kind of, it's a long story, but, uh, long story short, basically, uh, was a very good con artist, uh, kind of fucked me and my parents out of a good chunk of money. Fuck. Um, and, uh, came down to it where my mom actually said, Hey, if you want to continue staying out in LA, my dad and uh, your dad and I would be more than happy to continue to assist and help. And I'm like, you guys have basically been my roommate for the last eight months yeah. covering this douchebag's ass mm -hmm. while I've been covering my own stuff. And I'm like, no, that's, I can't ask that of you guys. You guys have already done way too much. Mm -hmm. And it probably was one of the best decisions I made coming back. Mm. Um, because that's when my theater career here in Denver took off Nice, and I saw an audition and more, for, you know, for the Morrison theater company with yep. Rick Bernstein and Paige yep. and shout out. Well, pa Paige actually wasn't a part of it at the time, but, um, you know, and, uh, I think it was, it was either Cuckoo's, no, it was 12 angry, 12 angry men, I think mm. was the show. Uh, yes, it was that of my first theater experience in Colorado outside your coming back from LA yeah. and that, that kicked it all off out here, you know? Awesome. What were some of the uh, early, I mean, aside from 12 angry men, what were some of the other shows that you got started in when um, you came back to Colorado? That was actually the first show I did nice. when and I got back. What followed up? Uh, Cuckoo's Nest mm. with them. Billy Bibbit. Uh, yes. Nice. Um, and, uh, now I'm trying to think that 
that particular time, uh, the shows that followed, uh, sort of escaping my memory at this point. Yeah. But that's where my that's where my my footing uh, with with Morrison. Uh, so, you know, and I spent a lot of time there with totally. them, and opened up Miner's Alley Playhouse with Elephant Man in two thousand three. Yeah. You know, so it was really cool to be uh, involved in that inaugural mm-hmm. um, situation in play. Yeah. So awesome. When you were here, back from Cal- from California, going into it, what were some of the things that were like driving you in terms of the craft? Like, were you like even thinking about that? Like honing character development or line memorization, physicality? Like, what were some of the things that you were focused on when you got back, or was it just getting the work and I staying think it was in the just work? Really getting the work, mm. and and I think all of that kind of follows, mm. you know, because if you get the work and then decide to cast you, then the real work, you know, comes into play Yeah. of how do I want to portray this? Um, and how do I want to go about this? And what kind of character character do I want to create? Yeah. And I think that all is sometimes I think there are certain things depending on a show, uh, where the character naturally comes out for some reason and mm-hmm. you don't have to do that work it, totally. at that point, you have to fine tune it. Yeah. Um, cause I've been involved in stuff like that too, where it's like, Hey, the character's right there. Um, I think a great example of that would be Flacco from Joe Flacco. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's on IR. He's got I, a neck yeah. injury. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> <the legend."> <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, the, it was a production of Den of Thieves with Bernie. And oh yeah. I saw and that Flacco one. when I, when I did yeah. Flacco, Flacco was just there. He yeah, you beat me out for that part, you son of a bitch. Because the Paco <laughs> was fucking there from the get-go. Because Christian's better. He was, <laughs> he was, he was well cast in that role. I'll cheers to that. <clears throat> oh. I'll be over here drinking my, my, my homophobic whiskey by myself then. Thank you. It's an all whiskey homophobic. Uh, hope not. I'm not going to get fired. I do. He's like, I'm walking away now. I do like, where are you going? Come back. Get more ice. Uh, because it's melting in here because the conversation is so hot right now. Oh, when this is over, we should get an apartment together. I made two separate Will Ferrell references. We can tell that we've been at this way too long already. Um, do you think that your focus on getting the work, and this is like a, like a general question, looking back as the man you are right now, your focus on getting the work, was that because you were young? And more driven? Yeah, probably. So, I yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, do you think then that is a product of youth in the game, or is that just like that was you? Or do you think, generally speaking, like, oh, no, I think a lot of people in their 20s are thinking about just getting the work? Um, I think, honestly, that that's an interesting question. I would almost have to say it may have just been me. Mm. I don't, because I can't speak for anybody else. I went, you know I'm going mean? to double down on it. I mean, I was the same way. I mean, I got out of college, and I was like, fucking put me in anything. I will audition for anything. And I worked, thankfully, thankfully. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to, like, this is a fucking problem. I worked, um, once I graduated college, I was off. I didn't have a a, a theater gig for six months. And then for the next six years, I worked every single month. And that was just, you know, I auditioned my butt off. And by the time I got to the end of that, I didn't know 
what it was that I was doing in theater. Right. It was, I mean, I was getting work and some of the work was getting better, bigger and bigger and better, but like there was no substance behind it. And so then that I, then that made me change like how I went about doing the work period. I mean, taking classes and asking questions, starting a podcast as I got older to talk to other actors about that stuff and feed them whiskey. So they tell me their secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I'll tell you, you know, and I think there, I think there are things that I did younger that I would look at today and go, I'm not going to touch that. Mm. Or because I, you know, 30 plus years of doing this. And and maybe that's one of those things for me. Well, you know, there was, there was one show uh, back in the day that, uh, the sh- it was shit. It was a piece of shit script. Um, it was written by someone local, nobody that we know. Okay. Nobody. This was this. Was, and I don't even know who the I, the, uh, the guy's name was. Dennis. I don't even know what happened to this guy. Dennis Miller. Uh, no, I don't know. I can't even remember his last name. But it's probably for the he best. He did this show, and the person that I moved out to L.A. with. Um, like this is kind of how this all came yeah. about. Was that him and I were were cast in this production, and it was crap. It was crap, but having that mentality of saying, no, the show must go on. Cause like some of the, like, I think I was the only person in that cast willing to put my feet down and say, I'm not bailing on this because this is not what I was taught. Mm-hmm. This is not what I you know, was taught to do in theater. No matter you just, the show has got to go on no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad the production is, no matter how bad the script is direct, whatever <coughs> you agreed to do this do it. And I actually had to pull the cast and say, I'm not bailing. We can't bail on this and really kind of grounded them and said, all right, we'll, we'll just, we'll stick this out. But you know what? Looking at it now, if it was something I was going to go do, I'd be like, uh, uh, I'm not putting myself through this shit. Yeah. I would have bailed. I (laughs) I mean, bail today if I was in it. That's a good, I mean, that's an exquisite point. I mean, I think um, as I've gotten older, I've heard more and more from other actors talking about like, you know, caring for themselves and not only in terms of how they prepare themselves to be in a show, but then caring for themselves from a professional perspective. Am I going to really tie my name to this shit show? And that's not like, I'm not trying to be cliche. I'm saying the show is shit. Like tying myself to this for the next, you know, four weeks, three weeks, however long the run is. Seven weeks. Seven weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, am I really going to do that to myself? And, and then like, how does that, I mean, how does that equate to my perception and the biz around this area? I should say where this shit show is happening. What does that mean? Like, am I the type of guy that just does that? Is that what happens to me? When I was younger, I was one of those guys who like, I would, there were some shows that would pay me opening night. I wouldn't touch the check until I closed. I would give it to the directors. Like, uh, you come into closing night. Okay. If you're not give it to the stage manager, they can give it to me at the end of the, at the end of the run. I felt terrible about, as I would say when I was younger, and this is this shows my sports background, I wouldn't touch the champagne until I won, you know? <laughs> and it, it's just kind of where I came from. It, so, I mean, I totally understand that idea of like, no, we got to stick through this and we got to get through the show. And, and that's made me kind of like a, a rah-rah, you know, gatherer, leader type 
actor from the from the coaching that I got before I got into the game with any brain um, to now looking at it going like, nope, if that doesn't honor me and it doesn't pay me enough, I'm getting the hell out of the show. Yeah. And, 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 there, and I think both, I think both tacks are right. I think as a younger actor, you'll take anything to get the exposure and get you the probably will. I mean, your I mean, your principles are your principles and they might not be fully shaped by the time you're, I don't know. I, I don't know what the right age is. We'll low ball and say 30. Right, like your principles are still being shaped until you get to that point. And go like, no. Some people, and, and I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna say, I think Bradley has got a really good sense of like the type of art he wants to make, he wants to create, and be involved in, and what he'll put himself into. Right. In terms of like what he'll create or what he'll do to get the paycheck are those two different things, and that's extremely me. Admirable. That's something that not a lot of people his age, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, sir, that would do on their own. It's. I mean, shit. It's. I mean, I think it's a learn. I think. I think that. I, and I agree. I, and that's one of those where it comes into a learning experience for someone like you and I to finally yeah. get to that point totally. of saying, "This is why I'm going to do this." I mean, even because when I came back from LA and started doing theater, we weren't getting paychecks. It was still. Strictly, mostly volunteer work. Mostly You'd be Venmo. lucky to no. get maybe fifty bucks for an entire, not not only the rehearsal time yeah. but the performance, yeah. and you know you'd be lucky to get your gas money back. So, um, and yeah. luckily, we've found or have reached a, uh, a time and age where the theaters that we work for are willing to pay their talent. Totally, you know? yeah. And, oh, the times they are changing. And, and, I th and I think that's one of those things that, you know, coming from that time period, I'm lucky because I never did it for a paycheck. I never did it for the money. I did it because it was art, because it's something yeah. I wanted to do, because I wanted to create something. Um, now there are times when I'm like, I'm going to do the show because I want a fucking paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, know? man. And it's, so there is a role reversal type of thing that comes along with it of saying, yeah, I want to create the art. Yeah, I still want to do this. But, man, that paycheck in the end is going to Nice. I'm, I'm with you on that 100. percent I mean, for the longest time, that's what was my that was my. I just want to do the art. Just put me in the damn thing. Mm -hmm. Give me an opportunity to to just do it, and massage my own ego, or get better. And as I'm like, I'm now 36 years old, and like I definitely take that into account. Like someone did um, Mackers like two a year ago. And they were going to pay you $150 stipend at the end of the run, two month rehearsal process, three week run. And I was like, I don't know. Like I'm almost positive at that rate, I could audition for Mackers and get Mackers and have that on my resume. And is that enough to drive all the way out to Walmart? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and like, is, am I going to be rewarded for that? Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know. And there's a part of me that still wrestles with this, like, but it's, it's fucking Mackers, dude. Like there, no one's knocking at your door to play these parts. I mean, the nice thing though is with Shakespeare, at least, you put up like 200 bucks and you can put on that show, whatever you can put on Hamlet, wherever. Totally. And I'm directing myself and I'm acting as Hamlet. Yeah. And Someone looks at your resume and they're like, what is 5280 mile high Rocky Mountain theater productions? And it's like, oh, it's a cool company. There was a stage reading <laughs> inside of a brewery. I was the star. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Don't check the receipts, please. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I, I totally agree. I mean, I mean, that's I'm in that stage now where I mean, I'm just. It's a it's a combination. I, I I mean the way I'm looking at it, and this I mean, again, I think it's a matter of perspective from this in, in what I'm about to say. It's that we put the time in. Much better actors, I feel. I'm auditioning at specific spots because I feel honored when I audition for them, or if I get work with them, they're not wasting my time. I want to make sure that I'm auditioning strongly. Like I just pulled out of the CSF auditions because I knew I wouldn't audition strongly. Like I, I mean, and sometimes I don't, but that's just because my ego says, oh, your energy in the moment will take care of it. Right. And I mean, but like, I'm, I'm serious about mine. I don't want to be disingenuous or seem like it doesn't fucking matter. If I'm going to be saying, I, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to do it if it's less than five hundred, <laughs> you know? Or unless the script is actually really focused. It's not going to be great. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to be able to put on macros in my own space. Right. Right. And that's, that's something that looped for me uh, was really all about was that, you know, Craig approached me about it and sent me the script and I read it and I loved it. Mm. I loved the story. I love it. It was charming and it was great. And I was like, I want to be a part of it. I don't care how I just want to be a part of it. Sweet. You know, yeah. So I think there is that flip too, where that still, thank God, is in me of saying, yeah, yeah this is. And that's still a relationship that's about. crafted through years of work and putting up solid work, you know, being not a douchebag when you're around people that can create opportunities for you. Right. I mean, I'm, that's one of the things I'm, I think I'm the worst at. I mean, I, I, in terms of like creating relationships, I'm like, if, I, if my work doesn't speak for me, then I don't know, like, I'm not going to waste time and try and create a relationship with you when we're not actually going to be buddies. And that's what, that's what I think is very interesting about the theater world and the theater uh, environment that we've chosen to put ourselves into, because I do see it like that sometimes. Totally. Um, you know, I'm one of those people that uh, I kind of consider myself sort of like the Jody Foster of Denver theater where I'm, I, I like to stay very private. I like to keep uh, a, a separation of mm-hmm. theater and stage and life are two separate things. Totally. And if I'm going to commit myself to theater, I'll commit myself to theater, but you also have to have, and this is kind of something you, you said earlier, you have to sort of touch upon, you have to take care of yourself. Yeah. And if you're committing 100% of every single waking moment into theater within this community, you miss out on so much. I think life, it's within any personal life. Yeah. That, I mean, there's no experience around. that's being gained. Right. There's not, I mean, there's no life experience. Like if it is just theater and it is just those relationships, if it's just hanging out after the show, and then like hoping we work together again. Right. And we're not going to do the legwork to like, when we say I love you because we finished a show together, you best be prepared to fucking pick up that phone and text a brother. Right. And continue that. And keep that shit going. If you don't, you're not going to do that, then don't say it. We can still be acquaintances and make the, make everything, you know, friendly and relaxed. Like that's easy. Oh yeah. It's not, it's not hard to be a nice person. For some people, it might be. Yeah, I mean, don't, <laughs> don't get fired. 
<laughs> Don't get fired. Remember, if we get but close to saying someone's name, say Rubik's Cube. <laughs> you know, and, and I think that's, a, that's one reason why, I, you know, there was, a, there was a period of time where I was, you know, doing six, God, six to at least seven shows a year. That's very time consuming. You miss out on so much shit within that time. You know, someone, hey, a buddy who has no, he doesn't do theater whatsoever is like, hey, I'm getting married. My wedding's on this day. It's Saturday. Can you go? No, nope, I got a matinee that day. <laughs> yep. Nope. You know, and it's, and I'm, I've always been one who likes taking those breaks because I need, you know, I need that time to myself. Totally. So, yeah. I, I, I would say, I mean, I was, Again, I was in a situation where I was very fortunate. It, it started. It started because of a depression. Like I needed to be doing theater because I could not be alone with my thoughts. And then that was the beginning of like January twenty seventeen, I think. I think that's it. And I was just like working all the fucking time. And then we got to this place up at the end of the summer. I'm like, I've got the next eight months off. What am I gonna do? I'm going to fucking coach football. I haven't done that since I was a, a, a sophomore in college. Like, I mean, reconnect with the kids, find out that, oh, no, I I can reach them better when it's 15 of them really close to me after they just got done getting their butts handed to them and still telling them how good they were. Like, I was, I was Tuesday night, we had a game, and we, we lost 35 to 14. It was not a close game in terms of the numbers. But we put – there was so much growth from our last game a week ago on Thursday. We traveled to our rivals, and our rivals beat the tar piss out of us. They just whooped on us so bad. Whooped on us so bad. And, and, and like two minutes into the game, I had players wishing they were home. Right? Like that was how bad it was. And then we go up against a, a similar group. All eighth graders, and we put up a fight, and we made them look bad more times than not. We made them look like all their preparation didn't matter on so many plays, and I was like, "That's the future." And and I was thinking about it as I was driving home that night. It's like, <clears throat> yeah, it would be really nice to be driving out to freaking Boulder for rehearsal, or you know, having a show this weekend to get focused on. Like, it'd be so great to have that. Because I do love the work. I love yeah. being on stage. Yeah. I love that feeling. But I would have totally missed this. Right. And now I'm at the place now, because of this season, because of this off time, I'm like, I've got to carve this period of this chunk of time out every fall. I've got to carve it out. Right. It's, I'm going to be the football coach at my school no matter what. Unless there's somebody better for the job, and I will be the first to tell you when I've met somebody who knows more about football than I do, and I will gladly step aside and let them take the reins. But it's, it, it, I mean, I'm a I'm a better person because of this six months off, and I we all need that. We all need that yeah. because as actors, we live in this we live in this world of fantasy. We live in this world of make believe and pretend. And I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in it that we forget what real life is like and what reality is really like. I mean, reality is pretty scary right now. It, well, uh, yeah. it is. It is. And, you know, when you, you had said um, about uh, the orange ass hat? No. No, no, no. The, uh, uh, the getting involved with theater at, at, at a time of depression, it gave you sort of an outlet uh, to stay away from. 
um, and to get your mind off of certain Absolutely, things. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, another flip side to that, that when you said that, um, when I did Orphans, that's when my dad had passed away. Yeah. Um, and he passed away, I think, a week before opening. Mm-hmm. And, you know. I mean, you were fucking in tech when he passed away. Dude. Yes, yes. And they were, you know, God bless the edge and, and, and Rick and big Robert ups and everybody, um, yeah. you know, they were willing to cancel the show and I didn't want to cancel the show because I knew what we had was good. Um, so they postponed it a week, mm-hmm. but then I also found out, I think this was also another seven week run yeah. is that, uh, thank God to an extent I had that within my life to take me away from my dad's death. Mm-hmm. But once the show was over, I realized that I didn't Never take the time personally yeah. to mourn. Yeah. Um, so it almost hit harder in that aspect. Um, you know, because we do, we ignore things in our life that is happening because of theater. Yep. And when we spend so much time in it, we lose out, I think, with so much. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I mean, it was one of the, I mean, like I said, when I, started, when I was dealing with my depression, I mean, I tried to fill, it started over a lady that usually does with me. That's my, that's my boat. And I tried really freaking hard in the first like month, two months afterwards to like, Oh, I'm going to plug another person into that void. Right. And then they liked me and they came on as appropriately as they should for liking me. And that scared the shit out of me. So I was like, Oh, I'm not ready for this. I got to get back in the theater. (laughs) I did just that. I was like, oh, I'm, no, the, no, she shouldn't like me. I'm, I'm terrible. I can't make any You know, you just go down this fucking spiral. I mean, and that is a different angle on it. But yeah, I mean, when we're in a show, depending on how much you, you care about what you do on stage or with the canvas or writing music, like how much that means to you. It is very acceptable for you in the moment to push all other things to the side, Mm -hmm. even if it is family. Yes. Even if it's a situation like death or a breakup, you get so into this. I mean, if I didn't have guards at the Taj, which I almost quit because I was trying to save the fucking relationship, if I didn't have guards at the Taj, not only would I be on the streets, I don't think I would have, like, I don't, I don't think I would have started making healthy decisions to, like, get me off of them. Right. Like, it right. was, I mean, that's how, that's how bad it was from a financial perspective and an emotional perspective. And I was lucky that I had, I had the show and I had good people around me to, like, get me out of that. But, yeah, I mean, and I kept that shit buried because the show was what matter. I just got, I just got to get through the show. I can't take off Jihad's hands with this blunt sword that I swing down on him very fast. Like I got to make sure that I do that very well every night. I only hit his knuckles once, thankfully. But I mean, if I had given into what I wanted to, because I'm so good at being brooding, Christian. I'm so good at being depressed. I'm so good at that. Like if I gave into that, I would have hurt him. Right. And I would Absolutely. have burned that bridge that would not be a friend. And I don't think Stephen would have brought me back right. to do Curious Incident, which was a great experience to have this year. 
And I mean, those are the kinds of things that happen and you got to dig deep and make your choices. What's yeah, going to be, yeah. what's the thing that I survive on? Do I survive on pain or do I survive on the show? Is that what gets me out of bed in the morning, get through my day, get through rehearsal, and then I can wallow in whatever. And then once I get through that, then how am I going to approach bouncing back as a person? And that, that stuff is hard. Oh, yeah. Because absolutely. we put something ahead of all that right ahead of time. So then right. the depression happens later in life. Well, and in, in going into that kind of <laughs> going into that kind of conversation, no, you're right, because it's like, you know, it's like we've known each other for how long now? Since the show that shall not be named. Right. You had done a so, couple of shows before then. You and got, I had seen you before, but we You didn't. got Flacco before we did the show that shall not be named. Mm-hmm. If you were paying attention earlier, good for you. You know what show we're talking about. <laughs> um, it's Auntie May. Um, yeah, so you had done that, and I'd seen you and that, and I'd seen a couple other people that were involved in Maine. They're like, oh, I fucking love those guys. Those guys are really good talent actors. And that's where we got started. Yeah, and you know, throughout that time, yeah. knowing me, that it started by me I, slurping you, Christian. Yes. And, and you know that I packed a lot of shit of shows into a short amount of time. Oh, yeah. And I haven't been doing it recently. No, no. You know, the what? I've done two shows in two years? Yeah. Three shows in three, three years. And two, three and two. Because there was like maybe two months between the show you did with Maggie. Um, no, because that was a year. That was a year? At least. Wow. Because that was in January. Maine, or Maine, uh, audience didn't happen until summer. Yeah, you're right. So I've done three shows in three years. Wow. But I also turned Time down a flies. show. And again, this goes into the whole depression thing. Or it yeah. goes into what we're dealing with. in our Having had that um, firsthand experience of... Uh, doing orphans with my dad passing away and then going through another thing within my life that was very personal. Um, you know, I was scheduled to do something with Scott below yeah. and I had to pull out and say, I can't do this. You know why I can't do this? Because I need to take care yeah. of me yeah. and what's going on with me is going to completely take me out of everything that I'm agreeing to help you out. With. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it's, <clears throat> If the instrument is us, we gotta we gotta um, take care of it. Yeah, we gotta take care of it. We do. Yeah, I mean, if that's if that's the the life we choose, we choose is to be an actor and to to be involved in other people's lives through the script. Like, I mean, we're the most we gotta we gotta work at it. Oh yeah, yeah. We gotta do some more push ups, Sam Gilstrap. <laughs> <laughs> We really do. We really do. <laughs> those um, big ribs are showing, but yeah, if, the, if those lack of Tinder matches are any proof to anything, we need to do some more push-ups and take a bathroom selfie ASAP. Mm. Here we are. We're at this point. We're at the fifty-five minute mark. We made it, wow. Christian. Wow, we made it. We went. We went over half an hour. Yeah, that's yeah. Good shit. That's definitely. Good shit. Um, what are some of the things you you've noticed that have changed about the game theater from when you got really into it, really started it. Not talking about when you were 12, because I mean, some hair grew since then. Some hair has been lost since then. What about the game has changed? Hmm. When you can either li- well, love it or hate it, that it uh, or have no, there, there's, there are, I, th- I think there's a lot of things that have changed. Um, and I think a lot of it's just stuff that happens over time. Hmm. Um, I think a lot of it happens with uh, 
age. Um, you know, a lot of the theaters that I enjoyed working with are no longer around anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that is kind of a bummer. Um, totally. Cause I had homes and yeah. now I have one, uh, you know, and, and it's not that I couldn't have more, but I'm also at that age of where I'm like, I put some fucking hard work into this and yeah. I'm not saying it should be easy, but it should be easier than where we started that. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think, uh, like the politics haven't for the most part changed within the system. I don't think the, um, I think we have a great base of talent in Denver. I don't think that's ever really, I, I always, even at the age, you know, teenage years or 19 or 20 coming into theater in Denver, the talent pool here is incredible yeah. and it always has been incredible. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's really changed because people come, people go, we find younger, uh, prettier, you could say younger, prettier kids that, you know, cause, yeah. and that's another thing with, with theater is that there's a limit. There is a cutoff point yeah. for us as actors to where we cannot do this anymore because basically yeah. we're all going for on golden pond at some point, you know, because Shit. we will be at that age, but we will also be at that age of where we cannot do theater anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's why I'm always Annie again. You can't play Annie again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're already at that place. Fuck. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, I, you're right though. I mean, I the like I saw Golden Pond at Bob Blue when I was in college because my acting teacher, the wonderful. Absolutely wonderful, Morris Burns. If he was here now, he'd go like, "Oh!" <laughs> he'd bring his hands together like he's praying, but put them right underneath his lips, and he would go, "Oh," because you were saying something nice about him. Um, anyway, he he was in he was on Golden Pond, and I was sitting there in college, and I was like, "That's the end game." And the fact that you just said that I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah. It is the end game for it some of us. It is for, for some of us. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, there's, there, and there's a shot. It's so important to have things outside of theater because yeah. I know a lot of people who dedicate 100% of their time to theater and that's all they know and that's all they'll do. I think it's also very, and for some of them it works. And for some it does work. Yeah. But we, again, are approaching an end yeah. to what we do. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's inevitable. Whether it, yeah, it could be 10, 15, 20 years off, mm -hmm. but there is going to be an end to it. So we need to put that time into things outside of that. I think that make us just as happy, if not happier than what we chose to totally. do. I think one of the things too that can happen is like, maybe the game won't like, and when I say game, you know, the ghosties that follow and love me, they know I'm talking about when theater, when the career in theater, the game, when the career, when the game gets to that point where it's, uh, I don't know, lost its punch, it, which it can happen for us. Which it's okay. Me, it's happened yeah. in the last few years. It lost yeah. its punch. So, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it's harder to, it's, it's hard to get to the, it's harder to get back into it. I, I think we need to acknowledge when that happens with us and say that it's okay. Yeah, and I think it's we not support like, each other. Yeah, too. you're not really you're not do. speaking to a shortcoming or and or failure. You're speaking to evolution as a person. Priorities change. 
Yes. Needs change. Wants wants change. Do change. Absolutely. And it, to say that they don't is, you know, you're not paying attention to life. And respect the person that steps out and comes back. Right. Or right. never comes back. Because they, they put their time in. They put what they needed in. And I think a big thing is still show that person that you're there. Yeah. That, that, you know, that's something interesting that I have sort of noticed with taking breaks is that certain people that always had your back are no longer having yeah. your back because you're not performing in something. And it's like, so was, were, you know, were we friends or were we just acquaintances? It all goes, it all goes back to the, 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 the age old question of, so what's next? Right. I mean, that's so, that's so much of our theater communiques. We bump well, into each other at a bar. We bump into each other after a show. We don't say, how are you, how are you doing? What's next? Yes. What are you doing? What and are you doing and we all fall victim to it. Whether we're playing the game of being a networker or we have nothing better to say because we don't know what questions to ask. We don't know how to make relationships as real people. We know how to do it if we've got a fucking script in our hands. But the hard work of being a human being, not not always we're not always prepared for it right yeah. right and i think and i think that's that's one of those things where i'm very fortunate with the friends that i have made in theater that i can uh for yourself example yeah. that i can sit there and go sam's not one of those guys uh that's gonna or individuals or human beings that um is gonna say oh you stepped out of this no all right talk to you later let me stop you there what do you have next christian you know what? <laughs> Let me follow this up by where do you see yourself in five years, Sam? Oh man, where I see myself in five years? the same fucking thing. I hate I'm that, probably going to be question. teaching at Kepner Beacon still and coaching the football team, and I don't know if theater is still going to be there. We'll see. It's, I, what's next for me is um, uh, I don't I hope have a fucking idea. Maybe Adam Ant at the Paramount next year. That's the only. You know, I don't have anything lined up. I don't have anything scheduled. Um, as far as theater goes, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it comes, it comes, it comes, it comes. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And I've also had some internal struggles with theater recently of where, you know, I'm, I've been doing it a long time. I've been doing it for 30, what I started at 12, I'm 43. So mm -hmm. it's over 30 years of doing acting, a lot of time and effort and energy has been put into it Do you know, I don't think I'm ever going to stop doing it. Yeah. But I have played around with the whole idea of just saying I'm done. I'm I'm done with I'm done with it. I'm done with theater in general and just want to step away and go into something else. But I don't think that's ever going to happen. I really don't. Well, Christian, if you don't mind me saying, I think you don't look a day over fifty. Well, thank you. You're that, very that, that, that feels good. Yeah. I put on my uh, eye cream tonight <laughs> to get rid of the puffy bags. Yeah, they're popping so, right, right? It's actually kind of Come on, Facebook dating. Let's go. Let's do it. Swipe right on Christian Matt. Oh, mercy me. Uh, before we sign off, this is the part of the podcast where I ask, what is that ghost light that you wish was left on for you when you got started acting? Ooh. Um, wow, that's a that's interesting. Um, it's the whole premise of the podcast. <laughs> if you fell for it, you fucking knew. Hook, line, or sinker? You know, I, I, I think, honestly, 
the one ghost light that I wish that was still on for me was um, that desire, that mm. uh, internal fire that I once had from 12 to 35, 37 has kind of diminished and uh, burnt out oh. a little bit. So you're telling like the next generation, don't lose the desire. Yeah. If you do. And it's, not always, and it's not always gone though. I don't know. And I think uh, I, I see what you were going to say. How do you get it back? And I, th I think it's one of those things where um, the desire is still there, but it's diminished uh, heavily. Yeah. Um, but it's never gone. Mm -hmm. So a great example is looped. Yeah. I'm so happy I'm doing this. I'm yeah. so happy I was able to get a script that just was charming and cute and spoke to me. And yeah, I struggled uh, with character work on it, um, but I'm happy with the outcome and I'm happy to be back up on stage again. Yeah. Um, so and you're back at it this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Saturday, we had to cancel Friday and we canceled Sunday. Uh, James O'Hagan, shout out to him, is uh, in town doing RFK. Uh -huh. I remount with Vintage um, this week, I nice. believe. It, uh, yep. Did it start last night? I, no, no or was it just they were loading in type of, Not a big deal, but I saw them loading in. So oh, loading in oh he night. saw the table loading. I was in the building. Not, yeah. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. <laughs> not a big deal. Bradley <laughs> a kind of linchpin right so, now. Yeah. <laughs> James took one of our performances, so thank you, James. Oh, oh. Don't get fired. James I won't get fired. Oh, it, no, was, no. it was a joint deal. Let me let me just tell you this. James Edgar Murphy, a friend of the podcast, has been on. He may listen to this. Good run. Good, good run. No, I'm actually, I'm very excited to see that he came back to do this. It was one of the, like. I think, I think I'll finally go see it. You should. <laughs> yeah. Because honestly, I'm thinking. I didn't know he was coming back until, like, the last time I bartended there, and like, which oh. was what last weekend? Yeah, last weekend. Yeah, yeah. Two no, I, it's it's probably my favorite thing he's ever done. Yeah, it really is. I've been it's hearing that. Fantastic. Yeah. My and favorite I, I thing he's ever done was the Odd Couple. When oh that yeah, that's there. right, huh? And you AD that. that. Yeah, and you AD that. Uh huh. Yeah. See, we're all connected, bitches. That was all. That was a good show. That was a fun show. That was yeah. the last time I worked at Miners. To be honest with you. Well, we got to get you back in there, bro. Are you auditioning for Crucible? I don't know if I can say that, though. Don't say it, because I'm, I'm auditioning for them. What? I'm auditioning for them. Who? The Crucible. When? Soon. Why? Uh, because they asked me to. Oh, it's my knee! Sick Brad, dude. Oh. <laughs> I did sign up for it, but it was Good. a humble brag. Good. Yeah. Oh, I got asked to audition. So. I, after I signed up for a slot, <laughs> I requested a slot. I would have learned a monologue and I would have done it. But I got, yeah, they, uh, they did invite me back. That's um, the best way to go. Yeah. Sam Gilstrap, friend of the family. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a living joke. Anyway, folks, uh, that was Christian Mass. He was joined by our good friend Bradley Abeda. The show is looped, not looper. And it is at Vintage Theater. It would be a fun show. If you're going to do a stick, could I be Bruce Willis or would you be Bruce Willis? I'd have to be Gordon. Would Jake Gordon love it? Hewitt. Jordan Gordon. Joseph Gordon Jordan. love it? Yeah. How many fucking you're... names does that oh. guy have? But you're, you're... Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner <laughs> Gordon. I love it. He is Commissioner <laughs> Gordon. He played Commissioner <laughs> Gordon, Christian Mastin, in a movie I made. That is, Ask that me about it. Maybe I'll send it to you. Commissioner Gordon, the Toys R Us giraffe from Police Island. 
I have no idea what you just said. I kind of like it. I hope it has Richard just Pryor. Just go back 10 seconds in your podcast. And then it'll make work. Listen to it until it makes sense. All right. All right. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Listen to this podcast until it makes sense. We have our fingers crossed that we will be back on Friday with the Peter Trin. I'm hoping we can make hey, that Peter. work. Peter is an awesome dude. It's been a long time coming. Much like today's guest, Christian Master. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Absolutely. I Thank am uh, sorry it took me so long to get you on here. You're one of my one of my good friends. Wanted to make sure I actually got a chance to connect with you and share some of the stuff that you've been involved in as just a person, as an artist, with um, all of the listeners, all of our ghosties. Because you're a fucking guy that we should talk to. Thank you. And you're an artist that should be showcased. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, the actor is Christian Mast. Cero Miero. That's right. (laughs) Go fantasy football. Um, George Kittle, I wish you weren't injured. (laughs) Anyway. um, Ladies and gentlemen, the podcast is back. The Ghost Lights Podcast, season two, The Reckoning. You can download us on Podbean. We'll be back on iTunes as soon as this gets uploaded. Um, We're going to take a selfie. We're going to post that on Instagram. Follow us there. Follow us everywhere um, podcasts are sold. And last but not least, the song is War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. I love you. Thanks for being patient. Let's get some.